Hi friends. Today we're going to uh, we're going to put oh crap. I accidentally messed up my dashboard. Close. Thank you. Okay. Today we're going to practice some Esperanto first. Then we're going to get to um, programming. Uh, there's a thing I really want to program today, and uh, so we're just gonna. And it's like it's it's a from scratch project. Like I kind of know what it's gonna what it's gonna be like, but I'm gonna be totally starting it fresh. So uh, we will. We'll do that. But first, Esperanto. If you don't care about Esperanto, um, get right in the head. No, that's that's pejorative. Uh, if you don't, if you don't care about Esperanto, uh, just just improve your worldviews. We'll we'll say that. Then. Sorry. Um. We're on clothing. We've done three out of five lessons. So we'll do three new lessons and then see where we're at. So first we're gonna do two new clothings. Which of these is, oh, underwear, uh, calzono. Which of these is glove, ganto. Uh, let's see, the sun is yellow, isn't it? This is actually a review. Uh, so la suno estas flava. Uh, chune? Nejas kai mia hundo portas puloveron. Puloveron? Oh, sweater. A pullover. Okay. Um, so it is, is snowing and my dog is wearing a sweater. Oh, how cute. Ili havas moyosain tochemizoin. Ili havas moyosain tro chemizoin. So uh, this is spelled T dash chemizoin, so that you kind of uh, can. Uh, so that there's it's it's uh, visually similar to T-shirt in English. This is T chemizoin, um, but you si you still say the uh, the T is pronounced to. So uh, they have cool t-shirts. Calzono estas vestajo. Underwear is clothing. Calzono, underwear. Chu la robo havas nur unu manicon. Manicon? Oh, sleeve. Okay. Uh, so chula robo havas nur onu manikon. Does does the dress have only one sleeve? The dress have only one sleeve. Lia pijamo estas longa. Uh, pajama pijamo is pajamas. So his pajamas are long. Are long. I'm not sure exactly what pajamas they're imagining. Virinoi ofte surhavas yupoin. Uh, virinoi ofte, so women often. So this is surhavas. Uh, we haven't learned yet about sur, but we've we're putting something on the front of the word havas. Uh, so this is uh, wear or like have on. Um, and then yupoin is skirts. We learned that yesterday. 
So uh, women, women often wear skirts. Lia pijamo estas longa. Uh, lia pijamo estas longa. Okay, mark the correct meaning. Do the Esperantists wear green t-shirts? Chula Esperantistoi portas verdante tolchemizoin. So, so we've seen two words for wear, surhavas and portas, and I don't, so far that I don't recall the, the course teaching exactly when you'd use portas and when you'd use surhavas. Um, it is snowing and my dog is wearing a sweater. Uh, so this is the Nejas Kai Mia Hundo Portas. Uh, oh, what was the word for sweater? It was Puloveron. Puloveron. Let me see if I got that right. Puloveron. Yep, that's right. Uh, is his father wearing cool pants? So this is uh, Chulia Patro Portas Moyosan Pantalonon. Chulia Patro Portas Moyosan Pantalonon. Yeah, there we go. So that's lesson one complete. Next, which of these is boot? Boto. Which of these is right? Uh, dextra. Kio estas en via dextra pocho? Uh, so what is in your right pocket? Kio estas in mia pocho? That's the best riddle, friends. You get that reference? You get that reference? I have an Esperanto copy of The Hobbit. And uh, when we complete the Esperanto tree, then I will read you some Esperanto Hobbit. Well, to the best of my ability. <clears throat> Which one of these is belt? That would be Zono. Which of these is left? Maldextra. La zipo de mia pulovero estas mallonga. Zippo is zipper. <clears throat> so we have the zipper of my sweater is long. Oh, short. Malonga. Oh, okay. Shia zono estas nigra kai verda. Zono is belt, right? Yeah, zono. So her belt is black. And green. Nigra que verda. This is a review exercise. Is the water blue? Chula aquo estas blua? Via strumpeto estas en via maldextra boto. Okay, so your sock is in your left boot. Your sock is in your left boot. That was an easy one. Ili havas multain bluein jeansoin. Jeansoin sure sounds like jeans. Yeah, jeans. Pair, pair of jeans. Uh, 
So Ilihavas, they have many blue jeans. Kie estas mia maldextra sandalo? So kie is uh, where? I think we've done that before. So kie estas mia? Where is my maldextra left sandalo sandal? And my sweater zipper is short. Mia zippo, la zippo de mia polovero, polovero, estas malonga. Kie estas mia maldextra sandalo? Kie estas mia, this is a type what you hear. Kie estas mia uh, maldextra? Maldextra sandalo? I think I got that right. Kie estas mia maldextra sandalo? Yep, got all words. La zipo de mia pulovero estas malonga. The, we got this before. The zipper of my sweater is short. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah, we're done with clothing, friends. So we got to do one more learning, uh, and then we'll do some reviews. So, food... Uh, food two, actions one and questions are below the clothing, uh, rank, I guess we'll call it, but we have to do food two, which is on the same rank before we can go to the next. So let's check out the tips for food two. Kiom. Kiom means how much or how many or what amount. Ohms are like an amount-related word. Tiom, kiom. Um, so, how much do you eat? Kiom vi manjas. How much do you love me? Kiom vi amas. Uh, yeah, kiom vi amas min. How much is in the cup? Kiom estas en la taso. Kiom da. When you ask how much or how many of a specific thing or things... The word of cannot be omitted as it is in English. How much of bread do you eat? Kiom da pano vi manjas? How many of apples do you eat? Kiom da pomoi vi manjas? How much of tea is in this cup? Kiom da teo estas en la taso? So if we're talking about a material or a particular quantity or whatever, we put kiom da instead of just kiom. Kiom ajas. Kiom is used with age, since age is a quantity of years. How old are you? Kiom vi ajas. Literally, how much are you aged? Mi ajas 30 yaroin, or mi estas 30 yaraja. Um, of course, the word isn't 30, but we haven't learned numbers yet, so I'm just going to say 30 for now. Actually, it would be 3 deca, but whatever. Or three deck, I should say. Three deck. Me adjust three deck. Three deck yaroin. Kiom da yaroi vi havas. Literally, how many years do you have? Me havas three deck yaroin. Meat dishes. To talk about meat dishes, add aj to the name of the animal that the dish is made from. For example, to talk about pork, meat from a pig, you use the word pig, porco, and add the suffix aj, porcajo. To say, I am eating pork, you would say, Mi manjas porcajon. 
The same sentence without aj, mi manjas porcon, would mean I am eating a pig. So when it's been turned into a dish, we put aj. Prepositions. So far we have learned several prepositions, including sir, por, sen, de, da, and kun. I don't recall learning sir, but maybe we did. Note that there is no accusative end for nouns after prepositions, except in specific instances, which will be introduced later. Mia chatas viandon por mia hundo. She chatas kafon kun sukero. Mi iras sen vi. Subject or object after ol. <clears throat> ol, meaning than, is a conjunction, a connecting word like and, that functions as a comparison word. Either a subject or an object can follow it, just as in English. Ni amas sen pli ol ilin? We love her more than we love them. The object ilin is following the word ol. Li amas le hundon pli al ili amas jin? He loves the dog more than they love it. So the subject ili follows ol. So you see, ol is, it connects, but it doesn't change whether or not the uh, the word is going to be with the accusative n after it. You have to sort of pretend that ol wasn't in the sentence, construct the sentence normally, and then put the ol back in. That's, that's how you can think of it. Um... Kune and kun. So English with is Esperanto kun. English together is kune because it's ending with an e. It's an adverb like rapide. Um, and together with would be kune kun. Uh, correlatives. Ah, here we go. So we're, we're talking about correlatives now. You may have noticed that all the questions start with ki except for chu. The letter or letters after key in the question word, uh, the ending of the word, indicates what kind of question it is. So, English questions, what, where, how, who, which, how much. In other words, what thing, what place, what way, what specific person, what specific thing, or what quantity. And then in Esperanto, kio, what thing, kie, what place, where, kiel, what way, how, kiu, what specific person, who, kiu, what specific thing, which, so we're noticing that kiu can be used for persons or things, and kiom, what quantity, how much. In this module, we introduce the group of words ending in om, which relate to quantity. So, kiom, what quantity, how much of it, Tiom, that quantity, that much of it. So think of, we learned about TA uh, and KIE. This is the ohms. So we have KIOM and also TIOM. Now we also have EOM, which is some quantity, some of it. CHIOM, which is the whole quantity, all of it. And NENIOM, no quantity, none of it. So we're going to see that there's that pattern of uh, five, five starts, and then there's a bunch of ends, and then all of these words in both tables are part of a group in Esperanto called correlatives. Um, and I mean, we have the same concepts in English. We don't generally call them correlatives, like in everyday speech. 
I'm sure a linguistic expert might call them correlatives. Um, but we don't we don't quite think of them as being like like a group of words. The the who, what, where, when, why, and how, that's like a famous like a newspaper guy thing. But um, other than that, we don't really think of these words as being related exactly, but but in Esperanto, because they form a nice regular pattern of key, T, E, chi, and neni, and then we have uh, endings like o, a, l, u, om, uh, and then you can you can combine those. So like uh, so like tu, tl, uh, chie, chio. These are all actual words, and we'll get to them. Uses of da and de after the eom group of correlatives. So kiom, tiom, eom, and chiom are followed by da when they refer to quantities that are indefinite. Kiom da akvo vi trinkas? How much water are you drinking? Limanjas iom da kuko? He eats some cake. When referring to a specific item or quantity that is predicated by la, we use de. So, mi manjas iom de la granda kuko? I'm eating some of the big cake. Kiom de la sandwicho li manjas? How much of the sandwich is he eating? Note, mi havas neniom? I have none. So, instead of, just as a rule of thumb, if you've written down a sentence and you're, you're not sure if, you're, if you should be putting da or de, if the next word, if, if the thing that you're, you're measuring a part of is la something, like la hundo, la granda cuco, then uh, you don't want to say da la. You would instead say de la. That's, uh, that's it for the lessons practice notes. Although I will say that's quite a number of practice notes. Let's start. I'm not sure how many foods, I mean, cause that was a lot of notes. I don't know how many foods that we want to do. Um, but we'll do at least one of these lessons. Cause heck, I want to get to programming. Which one of these is glass, uh, glasso? Which of these is juice? Suco. Kiom estas du kai uno? Oh, I forgot to count them out. Uh, kiom estas uh, du kai uno? So, how much is two and one? So, in this case, uh, kiom is like one word that translates to two words in English because of how English works. So, um, how much is two? Plus one. Nitium shatas fragoin. Nitium shatas. So we that much like strawberries? Hmm. That's not how you'd normally. We're going to say we like strawberries that much. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the uh, alternate solution is we like strawberries so much. So in this case, we kind of had to move around some words to make it sound like natural English. Okay, so uh, they drink a glass of water. Glass of water. 
Glassoin. Oh, they. I'm sorry. Glassoin. They drink glasses of water. Um. Ili trinkas glassoin da aquvo. They drink glasses of water. Yep. Sofia trinkas iom da suco. Sofia drinks some of uh, a juice. Yeah, iom da suco. Actually, I guess you just you wouldn't say some of a juice. Probably you probably would say Sofia drinks some juice. Is some of a juice would be like I guess if there was a can of juice you drink some of it. Litron da suco. Litrinkas uh, litron da suco. Litro is liter. Liter. Uh, he drinks a liter of juice. Uh, Suko's juice. Yeah, he drinks a liter of juice. It's a lot of juice. In Unutago, she drinks litron da cafo. In Unutago, she drinks a litro de cafo. Hmm. Litron? In Unutago, she drinks litron de cafo. Let's play back. In Unutago, she drinks litron de cafo. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Litron. Because uh, so, a liter is sort of the the noun that we're focusing on, and then it's a it's a liter of coffee. So coffee, the cafo part isn't quite. Uh... Oh, it's da. I put day. Why? Oh. <sighs> I'm gonna. That's another thing I'm gonna mess up a lot is the days and the does. I know. I've done it before, and I'll do it again. Adam eats some cheese. Adamo manjas ilm da fromago. Uh. Oh, fromajo. I'm sorry, fromajo. Christ says that I spelled two words wrong. But I guess once one word spelled wrong, it's not as much an issue that I have gotten a second word wrong. Mm. I drink so much coffee that I don't sleep well. Mi trinkas tion de cafo que mi ne dormas bone. Yeah, you and me both, buddy. How much bread do you eat? Uh, oh, this is one of our example sentences. Remember, we say kiom da pano. Kiom da pano vi manjas. In one day, she drinks a liter of coffee. In uh, Unotago, she trinkas litron da cafo. Da cafo. All right, all right. Uh, let's see. In Unotago, she trinkas litron da cafo. In Unotago, uh, she trinkas litron da cafo. Yeah, there we go. Christ says that Esperanto feels like some weird mix, some weird mix of Spanish, Italian, and maybe some other European languages. 
Yeah. Like maybe some sort of uh, Frenchy, Italian y, Latin y, Romance language thing. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what we got going on. Um, do we do another? It's, it says we're at 24 minutes. I'm going to start. We'll do one more food lesson. Then, then on to the Rust programming. Which of these is butter? We got butero. Cup is tasso. We've seen that a million times already. Sur la libro estas orango. Uh, so on the... Sur la libro estas orango. Oh, on the book is on orange. Okay. Uh, so on the book is on orange. Like the fruit. Suquero. Plate telero. Kiom da pomoi estas sur la telero? So this is how many apples are on the plate. So we have sur uh, highlighted as a new word, even though the uh, notes for the skill, I guess they were notes for a different skill. Um, no. They were the notes for this skill. They said that we'd already learned Sir, and then Sir is in this lesson. So, come on, Duolingo. I mean, that's what you get when you when you rewrite the entire skill tree. This is like the second version of the skill tree that they've done. Um, where was I? Oh yeah, uh, How many apples are on the plate? Mia cafo estas trovarma. My coffee is uh, trovarma. That's like uh, too much. Yeah, too too many, too much. Trovarma is too hot. My coffee is too hot. Mi shatas la tason de la knabo. I like the uh, tason. Oh right. That's that's just cup in accusative. I'm done. Uh, I like the cup. Uh, de la knabo. Uh, from the boy. Of the boy. I like the boy's cup. That's what I'm going to write. I like the boy's cup. La tason de la knabo. Mi chatas la guston de vino. Uh, I like the uh, taste of wine. So, bon gusta is good tasting. Uh, bon gusto is like deliciousness or good taste. And gusto on its own is just taste without being good or bad. So, mi chatas la guston de vino. Chula pizza con viando gustas bone? Um, does the pizza with meat uh, taste good? Uh, does the pizza with meat taste good? Chocolate is tasty. So, chocolado estas bon gusta. There is too much butter on it. Oh no! Uh, estas tro. 
Butero, Estrode Butero, Sergi. Oh no, got it right. G, not not G. Um, there is too much butter on it. Estrode Butero, Sergi. Oh, that's right. We gotta put that Estrode Butero. Um. So, estas troda butero sir G. There we go. All right. Five lingots. We got our daily points. Uh, we're at 56 experience on Duolingo. Okay, now for the main event. Uh, 29 minutes. What a nice round number. Okay, so we're going to <clears throat> go to GitHub, make a new repository. I know that it's possible. So, hey, friends, uh, welcome to the podcast, Locothor's audio-only Let's Plays. Today on the Let's Play, we are Let's Playing How to Program Rust. Isn't that fun? Um, so I know that it's possible to create a bunch of local files and then push them up to GitHub and then make a repository out of thin air. But I don't know how to do that personally. So we're just gonna make a repository name. The repository name is Overvec. And then the description is optional. So we won't put one. We're gonna add a git ignore because it works better if there's just, uh, if there's at least one file, then we can clone it. So we're gonna create that repository and then we're going to open it up with GitHub Desktop. Do, 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 do. Yep. Please make a clone. All right. There's only one little file there. So it, it just goes. Next, we're going to open up our editor. Cries says that he pushes to an empty repo instead. But again, I don't know how to do that because I'm a dummy. If there's no... If there's no repository cries, then the web interface doesn't let you open it in GitHub de Desktop. And it doesn't show you the clone link. You just add the remote. Yeah, I don't know how to do any of that. Cries over here is some sort of professional coder and knows how to use GitHub. Me, I'm a total baby. If you can't do it with the GUI, then you can't do it at all. That's my take on these things. Uh, so we're gonna open up our Overvec folder. We're gonna uh, press Control Backtick which opens up our built-in console within Visual Studio Code. Now, our little console is how we're going to access some of these handy compiler commands that we're going to need. For this, we're going to do cargo uh, init, I think, lib, and it should automatically pick the name from the, uh, uh, from the folder. So let's open up this cargo.toml. This is a file that's going to tell the program cargo how to uh, organize, how the project is organized, and then it will, from there, know how to build the stuff. We can put our package name, we can put version, author's edition. I'm going to put uh, license equals zlib or Apache-2.0 or MIT. Love having a good old license entry. Uh, we can put any dependencies that we need to, but 
I don't think that we need any. I don't think that we do. Um, so that's it. We're going to, uh, we have a library. It has like a default test. If we want to, we can run cargo test and then the default test will pass. That's fine, that's fine. Um, but we don't, we don't want this dumb, silly default test. So we're going to erase all that. And then at the top of the library, we're gonna put no standard because we're not gonna be using the standard library for this. So the name of the library is overvec. It's an overlined vector, um, which means we're gonna be doing what Rust calls unsafe code. And that means that like, unsafe doesn't mean like it's literally dangerous. It just means that like, it's only as dangerous as programming in any other language. Just like, it's fine, just don't worry about it. Um, in the case of overvec, so a vector is a type of data structure. Data structure um, lets you organize a bunch of, and you have a bunch of information, like a bunch of numbers or whatever. A data structure lets you organize in some sort of way. There's different types of data structures depending on what type of data you have. Um, like maybe you want a list, maybe you want a set where like you have some letters, but you don't care that you have them more than once. You just keep putting them in the set and it's either there or it's not. So if you say, have a set of letters and you add the same letter that's already in it, you don't want the data structure to change. That's what a set does. Sometimes you want to do um, a map where it's like uh, you have key value pairs and you associate values with keys. We have all these data structures and a, and a vector is a very, very simple data structure fundamentally. It's just a list um, and you can add things to the list and you can remove things from the list and it's ordered like um, a list on a, on a page. But it's better than a list on a piece of paper because when you delete something from the middle, it can it can move all the stuff after that up one slot, um, which you can't really do with a piece of paper unless you have a lot of tape and scissors on your hands and a lot of spare paper to put on the end. Anyway, so, so there's a vec type in the standard library of Rust, uh, which is very good, except it doesn't do one fun, interesting thing, which is what we're going to attempt to do today. Sometimes in programming, you have uh, memory in a place called the heap. And exactly the details are not important for now, but the point is that memory has addresses and those addresses uh, have a thing called an alignment. If an address is divisible by one, it's aligned to one. If it's divisible by two, it's aligned to two or by four, it's aligned to four, and so on. Uh, alignment is always a power of two, one, two, four, eight, 16, 32, so on. And normally the, the standard vec type in the standard library uses the alignment of the data type it's holding as the alignment of the memory that it allocates on the heap. If you want to have over aligned memory, the standard vector will not do that. Um, this sounds silly. Normally you don't need it and it can be wasteful if you do it when you don't need it and you do it improperly. So the standard vector doesn't bother doing that. But in some situations you do want this over-aligned memory um, because of how CPUs work in a way that we don't need to get into right now. So we're going to make a, a variant of the vector that will overalign the memory that it allocates and the memory that it works with. Cries at this point suggests that I could use a custom allocator for VEC. Uh, yes, but 
we will be able to do this using MinCon's generics far before custom allocators ever land. So this will be usable on stable in six weeks, and custom allocators is like a year out or something. I don't know. Um, Cries for for those of you friends who haven't ever met Cries before. Uh, Cries works in Rust programming and other programming, and they program things for very many devices. So they write programs that can run on the GameCube, that can run on the Wii, that can run on your computer, that can run on the Game Boy Advance. They're very good at making stuff that really does run everywhere. Or at least that can be compiled to run everywhere. Like, the version that builds and runs on a Game Boy won't be the same program, but it would use the same source code as the thing that runs on the GameCube. Um, so, so we're going to type pub struct we're going to call it overvec. And then we're going to put some generics. We're going to put a, uh, a generic T type. And then we're going to put const M U size. So uh, the T is going to represent what type of thing is in our vector. And the M is going to represent what the minimum alignment of the vector is. Um, the, the selection of T and M are kind of arbitrary, but they're just like good defaults, sort of. Like if you have, if you have a container and it has some elements, the type, the generic parameter for like what that element type is usually T. In this case, the, hmm. So the generic could be more than one letter. It doesn't have to be just be M. We could just put min. I think we're gonna put min because the overvec is a is a it's just a hair weird as a concept. So we want to have a slightly longer name so that when the reader comes and looks at it, they'll say, hey, something's going on here. Okay, now on top of our struct, we're gonna put a nice little repper C. This is a cool attribute that says, hey compiler. Uh, put this in the order that the C language would. Don't mess with the with the internal field ordering. That's not going to be too important to us now, but it's just nice and handy later. So we're just going to put that there. Uh, next, we're going to put some fields inside of the structure. So uh, the fields are the little pieces of data that the overvec has. Um, we have uh, so a standard vector has a pointer, a length and a capacity value. Hmm. Do we want to use the same? Okay, because we're, we're going to have to... So the capacity is usually measured in element units, not bytes. So the, the, the smallest amount of memory that you can uh, manipulate, that, that can have an address, is called a byte. And uh, something can be bigger than a byte. Uh, a byte is 8 bits. So if you have a 32-bit number, then that's 4 bytes. So if you have a vector with a capacity of 10, it can store 10 32-bit numbers, for example. Uh, but that would mean that it's using 40 bytes, because there are 4 bytes each, and there's 10 of them. So it's using 40 bytes of memory in the heap. Uh, so normally the capacity is kept in terms of the... Uh, 
in terms of the element count. And I'm just trying to think, all right, we're gonna, so, well, first of all, we're gonna import something. We're gonna use core, which is the, the core library of the language. And then in the point, in the core module, in the pointer module, there's a type called non-null, which is a, which is a really cool type. Um, it's a pointer that has a special attribute on it that says, uh, this value is never gonna be zero. So if you see a zero, then something's gone weird. This creates a niche, it's called a niche. Um, and so then when another type takes uh, a non-null, it can use that niche if it needs to. Uh, sometimes, it sometimes can use the niche. So so since the, um, the, the overvec is never going to point to address zero, because that's an invalid address anyway, we're gonna use one of these non-null values. So we're gonna say uh, the field called NN is a non-null and it, uh, the pointer type needs to know what type of element it's pointing at. So we're gonna say that it's a non-null to T and then the generic T on our overvec becomes the T that gets passed into the non-null. So, so everything's lining up so far. We're already, we're already doing well, folks. So we have our pointer and then next we need to have the length. So the length is in elements. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it element length, element len. I'm gonna call it element count because it's it's normally you just say len and you just say capacity. But again, we're doing something kind of weird here, so we're gonna use longer names for the things that are kind of weird. That way, when you're reading it, you can keep yourself straight. So this is a type called u size, which is an unsigned value with a number of bits equal to what the CPU's address space fits. So on a 32-bit computer, it'll be a 32-bit unsigned value, and on a 64, it'll be a 64-bit unsigned value. Because, I don't know, we just use element counts, because like you couldn't actually use the full element count. Like if you can't allocate that many bytes in a single thing. So, Supposedly, I guess we could use less elements or whatever, but we, it's just sort of convention. Um, finally, in addition to our non-null value and our element count, we're going to have our byte capacity, which is also a use size. Now, friends at home, I know what you're thinking. Locathor, you have your element count in element units and your capacity in byte units. Isn't that gonna come and bite you in the face? Aren't you gonna somehow screw it up? And the answer, friends, is yes. I am going to screw it up. Let's not be overconfident here. I'm definitely going to get this a little bit wrong. That's why we write it very, very carefully. Um, now then when I save the file, it uh, automatically adjusts my indentation so that stuff's four space indented. Uh, this is horrible and makes my eyes want to explode. So we're going to open up the file explorer and copy a Rust format file. Um, oh, Kreis wants to know why are we talking about byte capacity? Kreis is gonna find out. Uh, but first we're gonna copy the Rust format configuration file that I use for most of my projects into this project so that when Rust format formats the file, it uses a nice two space indent. I love that compact code. 
didn't want a big old block of text. I want a wall of characters. I want it to look like an ancient tablet right out of Stargate. All right. Now, Cryos has a good question. What's the advantage of bike capacity? The advantage is that we can... So we need to store our... Um, hmm. Maybe we don't. So I was thinking that we want to store it so that the allocation is always a multiple of the alignment. Uh, we want to, if our allocation is always a multiple of the alignment, then you can always read in aligned chunks. Uh, and you can always get an exact number of chunks. But the problem is that if your allocation is in a certain number of elements, the size of an element could be something that isn't a multiple of alignment, and it could be something that like doesn't have any reasonable least common multiple with the alignment. So say that our alignment minimum was 16, and we had an element count, uh, or our, sorry, we had an element size of 3. Well... So we want to put, say, uh, three elements, that's nine bytes, and then we're gonna go up to a multiple of 16, okay. But then at that point, how many elements can we fit? Uh, I don't know, five and change? So we can't just store our capacity in terms of number of elements. We need to know the exact number of bytes that is on our heap allocation. Kreis says there's no size of three, and I would like to ask, yes, yes. Kreis corrects himself that, in fact, things can be size three. Um, for example, if you had a um, an 8-bit per channel color with three channels, such as a red, green, blue value with eight bits per channel, that would be a size three value. Um, size is in bytes and eight bits to a byte. So, okay. The first thing that we should do with our overvec is be able to make one. That sounds good. Um, so now we're going to type impl, and then we put generic t const min u size. Let me put over vec t min. It's a very, very wordy thing, but so we have the word impl, and then we introduce the generics that we're about to use, and then we put the type that we're implementing methods for, and then we put our generic parameters. Um, and it's verby, wordy like this because it can get very complicated. Like I could put a thing called a where clause on here, or I could fill in t, for example. Like I could implement something on overvec only when t is u8, if I wanted to. So so it makes you declare your generics very explicitly. These methods exist for all. Um, and then let's say uh, pub const fun new gives a self. And this is how you'll make a new overvec it has nothing in it. Um, 
we're going to say that the non-null value is going to be non-null the dangling method, which should point to a non-zero address that is the alignment of a type, because a type's alignment can never be zero. Um, so it'll be some very, very, very small number, like one or two or eight or whatever. Um, and then we'll just use that as our invalid value, because if our element, ELEM element count, when our element count is zero, that's how we actually know that we don't have any data. And then our byte capacity is also going to be zero, which is how we actually know that we don't have any allocation to go with it. Um, and let's just save that. Make sure the uh, compiler is happy. The compiler is happy. It doesn't show any little squiggly lines. And just to check, if we just type a bunch of garbage in and uh, save that, it says no function or associated item named dan found for struct non-null. So there we go. The compiler can show us error messages. And when we type the correct thing, it doesn't show error messages. That's a good sign, friends. Okay. So after the uh, after we have a new value, we hmm hmm. There's a lot of things that we kind of need all at once. So let's say that we want to be able to uh, reserve space for n addition for n additional units. How does reserve work? So so we want our interface to mostly be the same as the the vec type in the standard library. So let's make sure that we get this correct. So reserve. So we're gonna put pub fun. Reserve uh, takes a mutable reference to self because we're going to mutate all of our private data. And then we're going to say additional u size. And it doesn't return anything. Uh, let's see. Reserves capacity for at least additional more elements to be inserted in the given vector. The collection may reserve more space to avoid frequent reallocations. After calling reserve, capacity will be greater than or equal to self.len plus additional does nothing if capacity is already sufficient. Okay. Hey, you know what? We don't have methods for that. Let's make, let's quickly make a pub const fun len self to usize. So this is, uh, this gets the length of the overvec. So we're gonna say self dot element count. Uh, and then we want pub const fun uh, do we want to call it byte capacity so normally a vector has a method for checking what the capacity is which is the capacity in elements that the vector can hold without reallocating I guess we want to offer the same ability so capacity ref self use size so the capacity of how many additional elements you can fit without reallocating is going to be um, self dot uh, byte capacity divided by uh, size of 
t. So the size of uh, each element. Huh. So if the size of the elements is zero, it's going to be a divide by zero error here problem. Uh, hmm. All right, for now, we're just going to disallow this. In our new function, we're going to assert that the size of t is greater than zero. Uh, and, oh, it's saying that we haven't imported it. So at the top of the file, we're gonna put core, mod, core double colon mem double colon size of. Uh, panicking and const fun is unstable. Okay, fine. If size of t is greater than zero, then return this. Else, uh, zst not supported one. Uh, Yep, there we go. Okay. Cry says, not very const fun of the compiler, isn't it? Ha 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 ha. That's good. So, all right, here's what we're gonna do, friends. We want our new function to still be const, but we also want it to explode if you try to use a zero sized type because that will mess up our capacity calculation lower down. And I don't want to think about it too hard. So for now, we're just not going to support zero size types. And if you try to create one of these things for a type that has a size of zero, it will explode. But we're going to fix it eventually. We're just not going to fix it right now. Gosh, we're maybe going to fix it eventually. I don't even know. Um... So let's let's look closely at the wording of capacity. Returns the number of elements the vector can hold without reallocating. So actually I'm going to I'm going to copy this exact specification. I'm going to put it on my own capacity method in here. How many elements can the vector hold without reallocating that's going to be use so u size the maximum value of u size minus the current length yeah yeah so we're going to say if size of t is 0 else Okay, so if the size of the um, type is zero, the number of additional elements that we can fit is the U size maximum value minus however many we currently have. And if the size is non-zero, then we'll do the byte capacity and then divide by size. So this uh, prevents our horrible divide by zero problem. And we uh, no longer have to have this goofy preventing zero size types thing.
so. Reserve. Reserves capacity for at least additional more elements to be inserted in the given VEC. The collection may reserve more space to avoid frequent allocations. After calling reserve, capacity will be greater than or equal to self plus len, self dot len plus additional. Well, that's ridiculous. Oh, panics if the new capacity exceeds i size dot max, i size max bytes. Okay. Fine. Uh, does nothing if capacity is already sufficient. Hmm. So, so the implicit maximum capacity that a vector can have is I size. The, the well, so the element capacity. Hmm. <laughs> Let's say not additional. So minus len is wrong. <sighs> yeah. Okay. After that, <laughs> the whole world explodes. It's true. All right, so so what we're gonna do is we're going to hey you know what friends I have not had any musical accompaniment the whole time let's turn on some very soft musical accompaniment my line twenty four is wrong though okay yeah I'm gonna get to it cries I'm gonna get to it we just uh. We're just gonna put on some some very soft. Yeah. No, actually, I need just enough that there's some car noises out. Okay, so the capacity. Yeah. So in. Cry says that we can't do U size max minus the current length because that will be too many capacities. Um, so if we say I size max as U size, so uh, U size is unsigned, I size is signed. Actually, I think it's supposed to be like I size is integer size value, and then U size would be unsigned integer size value. And I don't know, uh, whatever. Anyways, the U's and I's. Minus length is wrong. So the capacity for a zero size type is the number of elements that the vector can hold without reallocating. Oh, wait. So that's. It's not the number of additional elements. It's just the number of elements total. Is that returns the number of vector elements the vector can hold without a callagan. <gasps> this isn't the number of additional elements. This is the number of elements total, including how many we have. So if the size of T is zero, then the answer is I size max as U size. 
um, because we can always hold an I size number of uh, elements in our in our capacity if it's zero sized. Um, and if we have a non-zero size type, then they actually have to go somewhere so that the um, the byte capacity goes into play. Okay, okay. So our capacity is the number of elements that the vector can hold without reallocating. And reserve is uh, this other sentence here. Reserves the capacity for at least additional uh, more. I'm going to take this word additional. And I'm just going to call it uh, x. For at least x more elements to be inserted into into this over back. Yeah. So if we want, because, okay, so, so the basic workflow so far is you can make a new one and it doesn't have any space. So we want to reserve some space. So They just return you you size max and standard vec. Well, then standard vector is lying cries, and we both know that. Because a reserve says panics if the new capacity exceeds i size max bytes. Therefore, standard vector must be wrong. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of wrong. Okay, okay. So, so if we have an, uh, a new overvec and it doesn't have any, hmm, it's true. So if it, it doesn't have any allocation to go with it, so we can't put anything into it yet, but then we want to put something into it. So, so we push, we pushing of uh, an element into the vector, puts it onto the end of the list push checks, do we have any spare capacity? If we do, then I can put it on the list. If we don't, we need to reserve space. So first we need to write this, how are we going to reserve space? Well, friends, aren't you, aren't you excited? We're gonna type extern crate alloc at the top of our, uh, the top of our file here. Uh, Due to a bit of a goofiness in how Rust projects are compiled, we even though we don't have to type extern crate for almost any other crate at all, we do have to type extern crate alloc. Um, and then under the allocator, or under extern crate alloc, we're also going to type a use statement. We want to use a function. Actually, first we want to uh, use a layout. So, so what we're going to do is to make an allocation request. We have to have a value called a layout. Um, and hmm, I'm just thinking to myself, reserve. If you ask for zero additional elements, reserve might not do do, do anything. But we're just going to do like um, if false and then we'll put uh, to do if you don't 
need to re-alloc. Actually, yeah, if, we'll just put if true, and then we'll say assumes need to re-alloc right now. Uh, and then we can sign of, we'll remind ourselves that we need to have that proper check there later. Uh, then we're gonna have a layout. So we're gonna, the allocator is what's going to give us some memory to use. And then allocator needs to know two things. How much memory do you want? Where, or, or uh, what address is the needing it, what, what does it need to be aligned to? Uh, so we can ask for a given number of bytes and a particular address uh, multiple that they need to be aligned to. So let's ask uh, the layout type has a has a method called from size align. And the size that we need when round size when rounded up to the nearest multiple of a line must not overflow. I.e. the rounded value must be less than or equal to U size max. Alright, so the size of the allocation is naturally going to round up to be a multiple of alignment, it looks like. Uh, or at least it's very likely to happen. Uh, so, how much size do we need? Uh, I guess we need to do. Oh, see, if we if we've never allocated, then we it's hard to know how much we need to reserve because we don't currently have a like how much more we do. All right, so let's let's not do reserve right now. Uh, instead, we're going to do uh, pub fun with capacity. Now, this, this is easy. Um, so we're going to, with capacity, says uh, make a new vector and immediately do the allocation so that it has the capacity for X many units. And if uh, that way, like you're grabbing the memory right away and you won't be caught unawares later. Um, so we're gonna say, uh, this, is, this is much easier because now we can say, uh, let layout equal layout from size align. And this gives us a result or a layout error. Um, we're gonna unwrap that. Yep, we're gonna do it. Uh, okay, so from size align, actually no, we're gonna write expect layout error, which isn't much better, but whatever. Um, the size is going to be um, let size equal um, the number of 
the, the desired capacity times size of T, which is the amount that we're going to need to store exactly as many, but then we want to round it up. So, um, oh, our little, little window got bumped around here. Here we go. Okay, so I, um, there's got to be a way um, to get the next multiple of. I don't know that there's an easy... There's next power of two. Uh... Oh my gosh. All right, so here's what we're gonna do. First, we're gonna say, let align equal um, align of t dot max min. Oh, that looks weird. Because the, the, the minimum alignment that we want is a value called min, and uh, when you want to say it's either the minimum or this other thing, you say other thing dot max min. It just looks weird. Use core mem align of. All right, so we have our alignment, and then our size. Hmm. How, we don't want to do next power of two. We want to do next, next multiple of X. So, We're going to say uh, okay, okay, okay. Let mute size. We're gonna, I might have to change size in a moment. So then we're gonna say if uh, let uh, slop size slop equal size mod align and then size plus equals size slop and now debug assert size mod align equals zero. So my debug assert is saying, I think that at this point in the program, size, modulus division, which is kind of like remainder, but not quite when negative numbers are involved. But for now, it's not negative numbers, so it's, we're going to call it the same. So the remainder between size divided by alignment should be zero. And if that's not true, then I want you to explode. Um, and then I'm also going to put a little bit of a debug info here in the panic message, if it if it is to panic. 
It's a lot easier to uh, have the message print out the message, have the debug assert print out its message immediately instead of have it not print a message the first time. And then you go and you add the message later. Um, oh boy, you know what, friends? You know what? You know what, friends? I'm a goof. Uh, this whole thing has to be in a uh, inside of a size check. Uh, so if if size of t is zero, then we will um, immediately return. Uh, do we want? Hmm. I guess we'll just to return a blank overfact. That's fine. Uh, and then if if the size is not zero, then we have to compute in the si size, compute alignment, add any slop to round up, and then we get this layout value. Layout from size align, and then the size and line value. And then there can be a layout error. This happens if alignment is not a power or alignment must not be zero, but we know that's gonna be the case because the alignment of T is always at least one and one maxed with our min constant is uh, at least greater than zero. Uh, align must be a power of two. So that could be a problem because someone could have they could put in a min value of like three, and then that would cause this type to panic. Um, there's not really much that we can do here. Um, I guess we can, in new and with capacity, which are what we'll call the constructors, we can assert that uh, min is a power of two. Uh, yeah, is power of two. Else uh, the min constant must be a power of uh, and then we will put that inside both of our constructors and uh, actually we can't put we can't put it in new because we want new to be a const fund and again we can't easily assert in const funds so for now, we'll just put it in the width capacity. So we've already asserted that we get it in the power of two. So our layout, let's see. Align must be non-zero, align must be a power of two. We've checked that size. When rounded up to the next nearest multiple of a line must not overflow, i.e. the rounded value must be less than or equal to u size max. So we'll do size, oh, okay, hmm, hmm, okay, so with this plus equal, we actually could have a problem. 
Uh, okay, so size. So when we do capacity times size of, we can't we can't do any normal math in this whole stupid type because because we're dealing with stuff that could overflow. Uh, yeah, okay, okay. So we gotta do cap dot checked mole size of t dot expect. If we don't get an output from this checked multiply, that means that the capacity requested multiplied by the size per the number of elements requested multiplied by the size of an element exceeds the address space so uh there's so many so many ways that width capacity can go wrong and i don't like how many ways to panic i've already put in here but that's okay that's what one day at a time locathor all right you know what my first cola is empty Time for the next cola. That's right, friends. I am a horrible, horrible cola guzzler. All right. Dot expect. Uh, let's see. Well, if I, I'm gonna do so, I'm gonna do unwrap or else takes a closure which i can then panic inside of uh and then i can say uh requested capacity capacity exceeds the uh, times uh, size per element exceeds the address space and input uh, cap cap equals cap and size equals size of t Oh, my Rust format file is letting these lines get way too long. Let's try 100. That's better. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. All right, we're going to compute the heap size we need, which involves a checked multiply. Then size, uh, I'll just put um, we're just gonna, after we decide on the alignment, I'm just gonna debug assert that the alignment's greater than zero. I mean, it's frick, who knows? But we're gonna, we're gonna assume. Uh, in fact, a line should be a const 
But, uh... Hmm... Hmm... Actually, a line should be a const. What am I saying? Of course it should be a const. Const... Align... U-size equals... Uh, a line of t dot max min. There we go. Uh, so everywhere that we were using a line, we're now going to use. Uh, our constant align value. Uh, no, I don't like that I have to put self. Okay, I'm gonna. Okay, so because align is, a, is an associated constant that I have to put self colon colon align every time I wanna access it. So we're just gonna bind it to a local variable just so that we can have a one a plain one word name for it. Still not bad. Uh, it's a constant. I like that it's a constant. Um, let's see. We get our size. Can the size be zero? Let's see. Constructs a layout. Well. I guess you have a layout with a size of zero. Can we actually allocate? If we go to alloc and we say a layout, say safety C global alloc alloc. Safety, the function is unsafe because undefined behavior can result if the caller does not ensure that layout has non-zero size. So size has to be greater than zero. Uh, let's see. I'm gonna say if cap equals zero, then just go return Alright. So if they ask for um a zero capacity uh vector, we just return using our new uh method. It says that we can't use a line of because we can't use maximum. We can't use we can't use max. Oh boy. Uh, max of two integers. Two, 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 two. Uh, what's what's the page called? Uh, bit bit twiddling hacks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, here we go. Uh, compute the minimum or maximum of two integers without branching. Uh, to find the max. 
So we're gonna put const fun max u size a u size b u size. And then this gives a u size back. And then we're just gonna copy this nice little expression here. Um, and instead of neg, we're gonna definitely put dot wrapping neg. Oh, we're gonna call them X and Y. As you saw. All right. So we're going to tell Rust that you're a stupid butt and we're gonna force it to determine the maximum of two numbers in a constant context. Okay. Wow. All right, what are we doing? We're still just barely checking on getting a layout. Do we have a layout? We have a size value. And then, uh, we're going to debug assert that size is greater than zero. Um, we're just going to be debug asserting all over the place, aren't we? Uh, size slop is size divided by a line. Well, a line is greater than zero, so there's not going to be a divided by zero error there. So, size, size slop. So again, we're going to have to do a checked addition. Uh, no, this can be a saturating addition. Yeah. So we're going to say size equals size dot saturating add size slop because with our slop bytes if we increase the size of our allocation and happen to hit u size max i mean other than the fact that it's not going to be able to allocate that much memory anyway um it would be fine because u size max is a multiple of whatever the align value is because u size max is itself a power of two and and powers of two are all multiples of powers of two. Or something like that. Third, yeah. Uh, so, the bigger, the, well, I guess if you're a lot of fractions, yeah. Anyway, so we have our size. Um, and then we're going to debug assert that we have obtained uh let's see size not uh if you assert that our size is a multiple of alignment layout from size this gives us a layout which we can then use with the perfectly named and not in any way stupidly named and I have words 
to say to whoever decided that this was a good idea, but Alec, Alec, Alec. The Alec crate, the Alec module within the Alec crate, and the Alec function within the Alec module within the Alec crate. Whoever thought of that, you're dumb. And I don't like you. And you're always going to be dumb for that. Um... Uh, well, actually, so we're going to say let nn equals non-null new um, from dot cast is we're going to allocate with our layout and then cast the pointer from a mutable u8 pointer to a mutable T pointer. Then we're gonna pass this to non-null new, which will give either uh, some non-null value if the value is non-null, or none if the value is null. Uh, if the value is null, that means we failed to allocate. If we fail to allocate, we can't with capacity because with capacity assumes that allocation will work. So in this case, uh, we'll just write expect failed to allocate. Uh, actually, no. You know what? We got... Can we call handle alloc error? Yeah. So there, there is a specified hook for what we're supposed to do. Uh, unwrap or else... Uh, handle alloc error, layout. We're going to call handle alloc error. Actually, we're going to import that at the top because we're going to be handling an alloc error all over the place. Because you know what? Nobody handles allocation failure. Nobody does. It's just, it's just the truth. Um, so then our byte capacity, now we can finally create uh, one of these overvex. And our non-null is the non-null that we just made. And our element count is still zero. And our byte capacity is the size uh, Yeah. 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 Yep, 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 yep. Okay. So this allows us to create an overvec with a capacity. Oh, boy, friends, this is gonna... Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, let's add a little doc. Let's, let's add a little doc note. Constructs a new vec, empty with specified. Yeah. Constructs a new empty vec with specified 
capacity. The capacity is in, uh, yeah, capacity is in elements. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, let's put some, let's uh, use over fec, uh, let ov equal with capacity 10. Assert eek of dot capacity is ten. I'll say that this is an over back of I thirty two. And the minimum alignment is going to be uh eight. And then our requested capacity is going to be 12. Let's see if this test can pass. Okay. Um. And if I set this to 13, then it's going to be wrong, right? Yeah, because the if I if I if we set the alignment to the minimum alignment to eight, and we ask for capacity 13, our our obtained capacity is actually going to be 14 because the the alignment eight is going to cause it to round up to multiple of the alignment and all that. Um. So. Can do that, and then then that's one. That's one fun little test. Um, we're gonna say with at least because of alignment because of minimum. Am I and I am you? Because of minimum alignment, the chain might be greater than. Because of minimum alignment, the obtained capacity might be greater than requested. All right. Uh, so let's do another little test here. So we'll show off that if we ask for 13, we actually get 14. Using uh, using I thirty two, yep, and our tests still work. Um, let's see. For new, we're gonna say constructs a new over fact with no does not. Does not allocate. Uh, 
There we go. Uh, the, so the len is the number of in the vec. And then the capacity uh, the vector can hold without reallocating. All right. So now, oh boy, friends. Oh boy, oh boy. We want to do push. Right? Yeah. Let's implement push. And we're going to actually implement a really naive version. We're going to say pub fun push. Ref mute self takes immutable reference to self. And we're going to say, actually, you know what? I see push. Huh. I don't see try push. I guess instead of try push, they expect you to do try reserve and then, uh, like, and then decide just not to call push at all. All right, so we're, we're gonna push an element and we're gonna call it lm. Actually, we'll call it t and it's of type t. And then how do we push an element onto our onto our vector. Well, so let cap equal self dot capacity. Let len equal self dot len. If len is greater than or equal to cap, to do handle how to reallocate the vector to make more space. Else, so our, our len is now less than capacity in this else branch, because that's what we checked for. So when our len is less than our capacity, then we want to write the value into our allocation and then increase our length by one so that we um uh so that so that it's there right yeah so we're going to say self dot non null dot as mute pointer is that what is that how we call it? I forget how we look inside of a non null to get the pointer value out uh, as mute pointer nope that's not it as pointer as pointer uh, and then we say dot add because we're going to add the current length, so we're going to add len, which offsets from the base value of our heap allocation, however many uh, counts uh, that we already have. And then we're gonna say dot write t. So this, this writes the value 
into our thing. And then we want to say uh, self.len plus equals one. Uh, actually, we can't say len. We gotta say self.elementCount. We also have to put an unsafe block around that pointer, right? Because we are, we are the only ones who can check that it's correct. So this lets us push an element. Uh, under the docs, we're gonna put push an element onto the end of the overvec. Okay, okay. Now, we, hmm, how are we going to, so, so at this point we want to test that push works, but we don't have a way to get anything out of the vector. So we want to implement a trait called DREF. Uh, core ops DREF. Here we go. This is the magic. Um, impl t const min u size core ops DREF for over vec t min. Now to implement DREF, which is a magical trait that says that if you have a reference to the thing, then Rust is allowed to automatically turn it into a reference to, to a different type of value at a designated DREF coercion point. Or, or they can call, a person can call DREF manually. But at a designated DREF coercion point, this can automatically be triggered. So it's something that's got to be really, really cheap and it's got to be fully deterministic. There's no random, no random numbers allowed here. So the type is going to be uh, a slice of t, and then we're going to put fun deref takes a reference to self, and then returns a reference to a slice of t. And then how do we do this? Well. We, uh, we import the core slice module, and then from the core slice module, we will unsafely call uh, slice from raw parts, and then we need to pass it a pointer. That's gonna be self.nonnull.as pointer, and a length, which is gonna be self.elementCount. Uh, there we go. Now we can deref, which lets us immutably view the memory within with the, that the overvec is pointing to. So let's try and be clear that the overvec has a pointer and a length and a capacity that live in one place. And that pointer points to another place in memory. And the deref lets us get a, a, a view of that other place in memory in a nice automatic way. Well, in addition to viewing it immutably, we can also view it mutably. So we're going to impl deref mute 
which does almost the exact same thing, except that there is no target type because to have to implement a DREF mute, you have to have implemented DREF already. That's just the rules. Um, and then you take a mutable reference to self and you get a mutable slice of T's back. And then internally, we're going to call slice from raw parts mute. And then, uh, and then the compiler is happy. Excellent. So let's go down to push. And we're gonna make a little, we're gonna make a little test. Um, ah, here we go. We're going to say, uh, we're going to make an overvec with capacity for 12. And then we're going to say, um, actually, let's hide all of these uses uh, in our example. That just clutters it. So we say ov.push uh, a five. That sounds good. And then we want to assert equal um, a reference to a slice of five and a uh, ov dot deref or, or just like that. Let's see if this, I, I forget exactly how the deref rules work. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a compilation error. Uh, oh, it doesn't implement debug. Oh, okay, okay, so we can't use assert eek with it. Well, we're, for now, we're just going to say drive debug. Um, and, uh, and that's fine. Uh, okay, so now it's saying, oh, these types aren't equal, so uh, if we have a, a slice, no implementation, so, okay, 5i32. Come on, it's a slice, you know it's a slice. Okay, no implementation for ref i32 equals overrec I did it too. Oh, okay. So yeah, we have to manually do the DREF. Um, core ops. Oh. And normally we wouldn't have to do it. We would use other things like index and stuff. Actually, you know what? We can. We can just do... We can just put the slicing operator after it and it should convert it into a slice because of DRAF. Yep, there we go. Uh, so we can push the five um, and then we can assert that a slice that contains five is equal to the slice we get from our overvec and 
And we have successfully started the crate. Um, at this point, I need to take a break from speaking constantly. So I'm going to leave y'all here. I would say that like you're going to get some uh, Esperanto after this. But we did that at the start. So I guess this is the end of the episode, folks. Um, I don't anticipate doing more programming episodes like this. I just thought it would be just a fun thing to do. Um, just on a lark. I had an idea to make this thing today because it uses a thing, it, that, that minimum constant value, constant generic value. Constant generics are new to the language of Rust, so I said, hey, we can use that to make this cool thing. Um, and so I thought that I would just start it and that we could start it as an episode of the podcast. But, um, like, I wouldn't jump in and, like, do some updates on a project and, and just sort of throw you in the middle there. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So tomorrow... Today's Thursday. Tomorrow is Super Mario 3D World is coming out on Switch. And I'm going to have an episode of the podcast available tomorrow. But then I'm also uh, doubtlessly going to put a Super Mario 3D World episode up on the Patreon and the backers only feed. Um... Maybe not specifically on Friday. I might do it on Saturday instead. It depends. Because I would probably do it with William. And he does a bunch... He has like a really heavy board game schedule with a bunch of people. So I don't know when I'll be able to get some time with him. Um, but we're going to have a Super Mario 3D World coming up in the Patreon. Um, and then for tomorrow's main feed episode... Uh, you know what? Let's Let's look. I mean, on Steam, we did that episode of Final Fantasy IX uh, the other day. William said that they would like to play Final Fantasy IX with me. So again, if that's going to be a collab game, that's fine. But that means that how often I'd be able to do it would be really uh, would be really limited. Um, We could play a round of Battletech, maybe? We could do a little bit of East Shade. Halo, of course. Uh, we could make a Baldur's Gate character. Uh, so, you know. If you have anything that you want me... If you have a, if you have a vote, tell me a vote in Discord... Within the next, say, 20 hours. And I will I will take that vote. Um, unless you're Bill voting for, like, Galgun or something ridiculous like that. I'm not going not gonna to do that. Um, actually, I do have... You know what? I have a thing. Friend, if... Friends, if I remember... If I remember that this is my idea for tomorrow's game, then I think that you'll like tomorrow's game. But uh, I can't guarantee that I'll remember. But if I do, then you're really going to like it. See you, folks.